Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your tour guide through history today. And I am going to tell you a little bit about the story of perhaps one of my favorite subjects, and that is the early theaters that existed in Southwest Michigan. And I'm going to profile a particular one that I did a lot of research on about two years ago. And that is the story of the first really big theater in Battle Creek, and that was called the Hamblin Opera House. And there's a lot of fascinating stories and history to the Opera House of when it existed. So come along and join me and let's explore some of the early entertainment of the 1800s. So the Hamblin Opera House was founded by a man named Alexander Hamblin. And he came to Battle Creek in the fall of 1859. And he was from the state of New York. Now, originally, he was from Canada. And he was actually not intending to move to Battle Creek. He was just on his way to Rockford, Illinois, where he intended to relocate. And he stopped by Battle Creek and met with a friend and stayed here for a day and was very impressed with the community. And the friend was a, a reverend by the name of J.P. Averill. And he was so favorably impressed with the city of Battle Creek that he decided to dismiss with his plans on moving to Rockford, Illinois, and he settled here. And he became a banker. He established one of the early bank centers in Battle Creek. And in later years, the establishment that he had formed as a bank became the Merchants Bank of Battle Creek. Now, he was a generous and liberal donor to a lot of projects in Battle Creek, and he donated to the Peninsula Railroad when it was being constructed, as well as the Coldwater Railroads and other city projects. He committed his own personal money and investment money to these projects. And one of the things that he saw as a need as the railroad began to become more central to transportation through Battle Creek was that the town needed an entertainment facility that was of considerable size that he could bring in Broadway shows that were on their way from New York to Chicago. And there was a small theater before the Hamblin Opera House, but nothing on the scale of what he built. And the building was built in 1869. And it was really built because the city really had no regular place of entertainment. And he wanted to induce these first-class theatrical troops to visit the city. And what better way to do that than to have a first-class opera house and entertainment theater in town. So he built a, a handsome structure and put in modern improvements of the time, as well as stage effects and seating. And he built the building for roughly $40,000. Now, the building, if you're interested to know if it still exists in Battle Creek, it does. It was stripped down many, many years later and became a department store. And it's known as the Toller Building in downtown Battle Creek. And it's a greenish structure. The original facade was stripped away from it many, many years ago, somewhere in the 60s, I think it was. And uh, so the, the, the look of the building doesn't look anything like it once did when it was originally constructed. And, of course, the theater on the upstairs is all gone. And 
It's not like it was back in the day in 1869, but it is an old building in town. The only thing remaining from the original structure is probably the exterior walls and the roof, uh, like just a big box. The interior has been totally changed as it was converted into a department store. And after it opened, the Opera House was able to bring in dramatic shows and opera and musicals. And it had three floors and a basement. So in the basement was a restaurant and a billiard hall and a place for doing some dancing if you wanted to. And then there were stores that occupied the first floor. And then the upper two were given over to the main auditorium, which had seats enough for between 1,000 to 1,200 people. And it was essentially an all-purpose building that was used for many kinds of public entertainments besides plays and operas. It also held um, recitals and public gatherings of uh, civic organizations and political rallies. Uh, it held charity balls. It held lectures when a uh, a speaker would come into town, and of course it was also used by musicians performing with uh, musical concerts and that sort of thing. And by the later 1870s and early 1880s, the theatrical events became more dominant, and the concerts and lectures became much more occasional than the actual theatrical performances. And if you look in the old newspapers between the 1870s and 1880s, the Hamblin Opera House had shows and entertainments on their calendar consistently. And there was a lot of different uh, plays that came through. And they not only came from New York, but there were many that came from other parts of the United States that traveled the northern route through New York and came west to Chicago. And these theatrical groups and bringing along a performance or a production would stop at the Hamblin Opera House. And sometimes the show would be in town for just a couple of days or even a one-night performance, and then other times they would stay for a couple of weeks. And this tended to stimulate the hotel business in the area, too. And there were several smaller hotels that thrived from the existence of the Opera House, and there were several that were created during those years as well. As an interesting note, the Seventh-day Adventists opposed sending their people or letting their people visit the theater as they considered it a dangerous resort for pleasure in that theater. And it was a school of immorality, and it brought about vicious habits and sinful propensities. And they considered the performances to be immoral with their lewd gestures and expressions and songs and thought they were there to deprave the imagination and debase morals generally. And that was kind of how it was described in a history that was done on the Seventh-day Adventists with their opposition to theater. And a lot of that was driven by their co-founder, Ellen White, who was adamant that the students of the Battle Creek College, which was a Seventh-day Adventist learning institution that was in town, that they would not be allowed to go to the Hamblin Opera House and see the shows. And this remained consistent throughout the existence of the two within the community. Although some students did sneak out and go see performances, even though it was kind of against the rules, 
But that was just an interesting dynamic that was going on here in Battle Creek during that time period. So you had this, this religious viewpoint about theater being uh, immoral and corrupt. And then you also had this whole wave of other people that wanted to have an outlet for entertainment. And the Hamelin Opera House provided that. And so it was just a very interesting time period between the 1870s to 1880s and early 1890s in Battle Creek. But it also should be noted that Ellen White was not providing a new criticism of the theater with her remarks. She was actually, from a historical perspective, in excellent company because Plato, for example, condemned theater for debasing morals and preventing the strengthening of the state in his essay, The Republic, which was 2,300 years before Ellen White. And the established Christian church also barred the pagan theater from Western Europe for centuries. And they were echoing the sentiments of Augustine, who regretted his own early education in the classical theaters. So it was from a somewhat of a historical perspective that she held her grievances of the theater and her criticism of it. And if you kind of look at it from the context of the era and the pious viewpoint and very principled ideals that they held within the Seventh-day Adventist church towards immoral behavior, you can kind of get the context of where Ellen White was coming from. But that's just a side note on the existence of the Hamblin Opera House. So let's take a look at a sampling of some of the shows that were held at the Hamblin Opera House. In May of 1878, the Battle Creek Daily Journal announced that Billy Kersans, the greatest living comedian, will appear with the Hires Sister combination at the Opera House next Monday. Well, who was Billy Kersans? He was an African-American comedian and dancer, and he was one of the most popular black comedians of his day. He was best known for his work in minstrelsy, and he had the additions of his show as part of skillful acrobatics, dancing, singing, and instrument playing. And Kersans was renowned for his comic routines involving his large mouth, which he could contort comically or fill with objects such as billiard balls and saucers. And his stage persona was that of a dim-witted black man of the type that had been popularized in white minstrel shows. But modern commentators describe the early black entertainers as having faced the dilemma of striking a balance between social satire and reinforcement of negative stereotypes that they had to endure. So he had quite a career. He traveled with minstrel troops starting in the early 1860s. And he became their biggest star by the 1870s. And in 1879, he was earning $15 a week. And by 1882, he was reportedly earning $80 a week, which was a considerable amount for that time period. And when he went over to the European minstrel tours, he was known to have earned as much as $250 a week. This was during the 1870s. So that was a lot of money back in the day for an entertainer. So his is a very interesting story, and he came to Battle Creek. In November of 1878, the Battle Creek Daily Journal held an ad in it for the world's greatest magician, Hearts. 
and his original program called Two Hours in Fairyland. And his performance went on for three nights in December of that year, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And it was a Monday, Tuesday, and a Wednesday evening in December at the Hamblin Opera House. So they brought in a popular magician of the time period. And I wasn't able to find much else about his performance or his uh, career. But um, that was one show that happened there. In October of 1878, there was an ad at the Hamblin Opera House for the gifted and cultured Henrietta Chanfro. And she was in town doing a series of plays that were popular at the time, and the play was called Jealousy. It had a huge cast, and seats for the performance were 75 cents each. Those were for the reserve seats. For general admission, it was 50 cents each. And children under 12 were half price. And that performance was on October 26, 1878. Her full name was Henrietta Baker Chanfrau, and she was an American stage actress, and she was born in Philadelphia. She began her career in the summer of 1854 as a vocalist in Philadelphia. And she first appeared in theater in that city at the City Museum in 1854, September of that year. And she starred in Miss Appleseed in the play The Willow Corpse. Then she became a member of a company that was based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and she toured the United States through that time period between the 1857-1858 season. And then she had some time where she appeared in New York City. And she did come to Battle Creek during that time period in the 1870s. She passed away in 1909. But the article that I read on her said that the peak of her career kind of ended in 1865. So by 1878, she was performing in the remote areas of theaters like Battle Creek because she wasn't as big a name, a star in New York as she had been at the time. So I think that may have been the case with a lot of performers that came to the remote rural areas like opera houses in Battle Creek and Kalamazoo during that era. Just giving you a slice of some of the different shows at this point, there was a Japanese entourage that came through called the Japanese Royal Fleet and they held a musical Mikado that was promoted in January of 1891, and it was held at the Hamblin Opera House. And the, the show was called Mikado, and it was produced on stage with a group of amateur actors, and it was held during that year. The, the show, I think, was held on January 12th of 1891. And they held performances like Shakespearean plays. Macbeth was performed in 1890 at the Hamblin Opera House with a Madame Janoshek. And she performed on Thursday, March 20th, 1890. And it was an evening of Shakespearean tragedy as one of their dramatic performances. A comedic performance was held in 1897 called The Isle of Champagne. And it was put on at the Hamblin Opera's house by a comedian named Richard Golden. And this was a traveling show that was very popular during that year and had begun in Pennsylvania. Other talented stars from Broadway that came through town was Franny Davenport, 
and also Camila Urso. Franny Davenport performed in a play called The Peak, P-I-Q-U-E, that was performed in February of 1881, and it was considered one of the society events of the season. And apparently she had a tremendous wardrobe that was part of the theatrical performance at the Hamblin Opera House that evening. Camila Urso was a violinist, and she was pretty renowned as a performance artist that would put on a tremendous concert. And she came to the Hamblin Opera House in 1879 on January for a single event on a Tuesday evening, which was a benefit event for the Gogwak Boat Club. So she was there performing for an evening in a concert performance. Now, there was a playwright during that era whose name was Frank Murdoch, and he wrote a play that was a very popular melodrama-type play of the time called Davy Crockett. And the traveling show had an actor by the name of Fran Mayo, and he was the leading star who played Davy Crockett. And he was pretty well-known around the country because the play was probably the most popular during those years when it was held. And so he came to Battle Creek and held, did the performance for three different nights. There was also a popular play in 1890 that was traveling the country called A Fair Rebel. And it was set in the Civil War, and it was the story of Libby Prison, which if you're familiar with some of the Civil War history, that was a Confederate prison that there were some escapes that happened. And it was one of the biggest escapes um, that happened during the Civil War in one of the uh, prisons. But it was also uh, terrible conditions. And so that was um, a very popular subject of his time. The Civil War had just been 30 years before. So it was still fresh in the minds of a lot of the older folks during that era. So you can see how a play set in that time setting would have been uh, popular during his time. Many of the other performances and shows that I saw when I did research on the Hamblin Opera House, there were many minstrel shows. There was a performance of Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is the book written by Harriet Beecher Stowe. There was a performance of the play called Spartacus, and so many other ones that you would probably recognize today that maybe had been made into a movie or is still a popular play that resurfaces now and then on Broadway. So there was a, a lot of entertainment during that time period, and part of the success of it was the railroad during that, that era. What became of the Hamlin Opera House is after A.C. Hamblin died, the theater was leased to another man who turned it into the Bijou Theater for a couple of years, and then he built a Bijou Theater on the opposite block and moved it there. And then that building got sold and became a mercantile store and was basically remodeled and gutted. So the building, as I said, is the old Toller building. And you can see the word Toller with some uh, lettering on the top of the building now. And they changed the whole facade at that point. And the Bijou Theater had a life of roughly 30 years in Battle Creek. And it went through two different building evolutions. I think the, the one that was originally built was replaced by a second building, if I understand correctly. And then it kind of got eclipsed when the post theater was opened. 
And the Post Theater opened in 1902, and it was built by the Post Theater Stock Company, and it was formed by the CW Post, and he had actually attended the opening night, and there was a lot of citizens of Battle Creek that were involved. They were trying to do an upgraded theater at that point with uh, more modern uh, comforts and concessions and so forth. There had been a major fire at a theater in Chicago that happened in 1903, one year after the Post Theater opened, that changed the way theaters were designed because the the theater in Chicago was called the Iroquois Theater, and it caught fire on December 30th, 1903. And it was or one of the most single, deadliest single building fires in U.S. history. The fire started when people were in the theater seeing a performance, and there was a very poor exits on the building, and 602 people died in that tragedy. And so following that, a lot of the fire codes for the construction of theaters came into being, and a lot of the older theaters were either modified to fit the new fire standards or basically closed and discontinued. There used to be an Eagle Opera House in Marshall, and they closed following the fire ordinance changes that were adopted after the Iroquois Theater Fire of 1903 in Chicago. And I think a lot of these theaters across this whole southwest Michigan area experienced that change as well. The Post Theater, I believe they must have done modifications because they did exist for uh, many years afterwards. But the Bijou didn't last much longer after that. Um, By 1916, the original Bijou Theater had already been torn down. They had built a second one, and then that one was torn down, I believe. Uh, I haven't really looked at what year it was, roughly. I believe it was around the 60s or something like that. Maybe in the 70s. So there was a big change in the fire exits systems in theaters following that tragedy. So you can imagine that the Hamblin Opera House was probably one of those theaters that was very much a fire trap in its day. It had the stage and the um, seating upstairs, and you had to come downstairs, and there were stairs on the back of the building and stairs to the front through the uh, retail shops onto the street. And I don't think you would see that type of structure in modern-day theaters. There's usually multiple exits going straight to the outdoors, and there's fire-rated doors, and there's been a lot of modifications that have happened over the many decades as fire safety has become a standard within new public building construction. But the history of the Hamblin Opera House is quite a fascinating one. They did exist for a number of years, and they provided a tremendous amount of entertainment in Battle Creek, mostly through the Victorian era. And it was a interesting snapshot into the entertainment of the day. And you have to remember, there was no movie theaters. That technology came along later. There was only live entertainment that was the place to go to on a Friday or Saturday night if you wanted to go see a show. And this was the period of time where people were becoming less of an agricultural community and more moving into a city where people would live in the city and work in the city. And so you have this uh, change in the Victorian era that transitioned over into the industrial period. And people were working in these plants and factories and things. And then so these 
retail stores and entertainment facilities became a part of downtowns. And this was how people sought out entertainment. Yes, there were churches to go to for musical performances on Sundays and things of that nature, but public theaters where there was just there to laugh and have a good time for an evening or hear some great music and hear a concert or hear a comedian and so forth, or even just attend a public lecture on some topic that you were interested in. There was a lot of public speaking notices that I found in the early years of the Hamlet Opera House for things like temperance and uh, political rallies and all sorts of things. And so it was just a gathering place and it was uh, providing a need for entertainment or education within a community. And you would find that this is the same in a lot of the larger cities that were following the railroads. Particularly, you'll find theaters over in Jackson. There was a Coldwater Railroad that went down there, and there's an old theater that's been restored in Coldwater um, to this day. And then there's also uh, theaters in Kalamazoo, and there were theaters in Marshall, like I mentioned, the Eagle Opera House. So there's a lot of different um, culture associated with the theaters during that era in southwest Michigan. I just wanted to share you a snapshot of that by sharing with you some of the research that I did on the Hamblin Opera House. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a like or review on whatever app that you are listening on. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And if you want to see... Uh, perhaps a modern-day theater with history, you should stop by and see a performance at the History Education Center at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. I will be in a special performance with Dave Eddy and Jim Jackson. It's call it performance, I suppose, but we're going to be doing a fascinating presentation on some of stories and tales from Oak Hill Cemetery on July 29th which is a Saturday afternoon at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. And there's tickets available for that. They're $10 each. I'll put the link to that performance in the description so that you guys can come out and uh, hear me and maybe meet Dave Eddy as well and, and Jim Jackson. And um, we'd love to have you guys come out and we'll share with you some fascinating tales of history that we have researched about Oak Hill Cemetery and tell some of the early stories of Battle Creek that are connected with that cemetery. So mark that day on your calendar. It's July 29th, a Saturday, and I'll put the link again in the description so that you can get your tickets. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time.